What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Good afternoon, folks, and a happy Monday to you all. It is the Monday of the Houston Open here, not the Masters. We've got to wait seven more days, Jeff, but hey, honestly... After all the year that we've had and, and, and COVID-ridden and everything, the fact that we're getting a Masters next week makes me feel a little bit better. I'm not going to lie to you. How about you? Yeah, Matt, it's going to be a good chaser for this. We're good. We're back here. We, we got you back. I had my own volume on there, just screwing with my mind. Um, yeah, no, Matt, I mean, it's going to be a good chaser for this week, the Masters for sure. Uh, unlike, you know, you know, this week's going to be obviously crazy for other reasons, but uh We'll get through this week and and the and uh, the Houston Open and the Houston Open looks like it's actually gonna have a decent field, but uh, I'm I'm pumped for I'm pumped for what's coming up next week as well. That's gonna be a lot of fun to get to. Just gotta get through this week, people. Everyone stay sane and and you know just play DFS golf and stay at home. You're gonna be fine. Listen to the show. Subscribe to Osmo. Subscribe to the Osmo YouTube channel. We're over 40k apparently. So yeah, how about that? That's that is free. It's free, Jason. It's pretty sweet, and, and I want to thank everybody uh, for that that's watching the show and subscribing to the channel. It is a, a wonderful thing to see everything continuing to grow. So also don't forget to hit the like button, smash that like button for us. So we're going to start off as we do. If this is your first time joining the PGA DFS First Look Show, don't get too angry at us for, like, doing a recap. This is what we do. We go for a little bit of a recap of last week. We go into our DFS review. We go, go check out some of how the pros – did their allocations last week for their MME, try to teach everybody what the best route to go. We teach, we teach you two uh, different routes as well. We pick some of the guys that kind of go all in and then some of the guys that have a more conservative strategy. So a little teaching. And then we'll go into the Houston Open, of course, which uh, Jeff mentioned. We have a much, much better field here this week uh, than we did. Uh, I wanted to say at Corrales, but it was Bermuda, but it kind of felt rather <laughs> similar in nature. So let's start off. I, I, I think I'm going to get a – it's a combined thing – Jeff, but I wanted to ask you if you had maybe a different thought. Was this a perseverance thing from Brian Gay, or was this just a total choke job from Wyndham Clark? And, of course, yeah. the minute championship, Wyndham Clark missed a 10-footer on 18 to win it, and then a 6-footer on 18 again to extend the playoff. He could not make either. So feels to me like it's a choke job a little bit. I don't know. I mean, he shot 6 under in the final round, but at the same time, like, you know, you get to the final three holes – you got an easy par five that Brian Gay, quite frankly, opened the door for Wyndham Clark. He bogeyed, on it. he bogeyed the easiest hole on the course. And I know he birdied the last. That was a great birdie. But still, like, you know, Wyndham Clark coming to the, to the easiest par five, all you need to do is birdie that or sink your putt. Yeah, you got to kind of close. Those are the putts you make. You can't say he choked, though, because he shot six under. Like, it, it, he, he took control of the tournament. It's just Brian Gay... Got caught, caught fire down the stretch, and Wyndham Clark just couldn't just couldn't find that extra birdie down down the stretch. So I don't think it was necessarily a choke job in my mind. It really hurt though because I know we both had exposure to him on the betting side. Uh, I got on him in play just after a terrible first round for my players, so I added him. Uh, I thought that was going to absolutely save my week. I did hedge out a bit, but um, you know at the same time, like could have been way bigger. So 
um, yeah, it was tough. It, he played really good. He is playing better too. Like he, I, I mentioned him like a couple months ago. He was, he was hitting his irons better. You saw more continuation of that at the Shriners. And then, uh, you know, last week set up well for him. He's a good par five scorer. And I think this week's going to set up well too. But yeah, I, I don't know what to say. It was just bad, bad circumstances for Wyndham Clark last week. It was, uh, and, and for the holders, I, I laughed because uh, I was telling you a little funny story about how I tried to play Team Hedge, you know, coming from the, the area that I do. I'm a, I'm a stock trader, equity, financial analyst by trade, and so I, I hedge. I like to buy puts when I have too much of one side, and so my way to do it was to buy Brian Gay on about the 13th hole, but a little bit of a miscommunication sent me packing into more Wyndham Clark. So it was just a brutal finish uh, for me as a Wyndham Clark ticket holder. But let's get away from the perseverance of the choke. And let's talk about the two ways to get it done. Uh, this is the second topic of today. And what I like about courses that allow you to do it two different ways is it brings an entire set of player golfers into the player pool. You really don't have to eliminate anybody. I'll give you an example. Ryan Armour, David Hearn, and Brian Gay, right? Brian Gay, obviously the winner. Ryan Armour, another top 10. David Hearn, another top 10. They combined average about 278 yards off the tee. To the other side, Wyndham Clark averaged 310. Alex Stratterjans averaged 305. Maverick McNeely was well over 300. So you had those three guys who all came in the top 10 outdrive the other guys by about 35 yards on average, and they all came in the top 10. So, Jeff, do you like tournaments like that, or would you rather have a situation where it's like Cam Champ or Ryan Armour? No in between. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's tough to say. I, I, I don't mind it. I mean, as long as the course doesn't play so easy that, like, I, it's it's just like, you know, we're just going to a birdie fest, and your player makes two pars in a row, and they're, like, out of it. But I, I liked the way it played last week, I think. But I don't know if I would have liked it if it wasn't windy. Like, I thought the wind was a good element last week. I thought it made the course uh, a little bit more interesting. It's an open-style, easier course, and it's the only defense, right? So, I don't know. I don't mind it. I mean, I, th I think as long as the court is – you don't get too much of one. Like if we just had, like, birdie fest, birdie fest, easy course, accuracy, week after week, it'd get boring. And the same the same thing, though, could be said for the other side, even though I, I tend to like the tougher courses better. So, I like the mix on tour. I, I think that's one good thing that they, they do pretty well. I'd like to see a few more tougher courses thrown in, but I don't mind these from, from time to time. Like I said, this week was better because of the wind. If there wasn't wind, I don't know if I would have liked it as much. Yeah. And I think that's what you kind of get with these, uh, I'll call it um, overseas uh, kind of layout. Now, if, if you did catch a, a little bit of uh, the coverage, you could see that Port Royal, I mean, Port Royal golf course reminded me of the courses that I played in Scotland, very small fairways, but also very little rough, more hills, more using the contours and, and stuff like that. So um, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, definitely a different layout than what we're used to. And certainly uh, you could see Wyndham Clark just bomb and gouge it everywhere. You could see Ryan Armour trying to hit every fairway. So love to see those differences in contrast, um, especially play out. Okay, let's go into our uh, DFS review. Unless there's anything, actually, no, before we go into our DFS review, Talk about Ali Schneider dance for a second. Here's a guy that I know you and I have loved in the past. Now he's back. I mean, a top three. He's got four other top 20s on the web. Uh, dot com, excuse me. Corn Ferry Tour. I do that at least once a week now. I uh, was just so used to saying web.com tour for like five years. But anyways, Corn Ferry Tour. So this guy comes in third solo. That helps him get to that special temporary membership thing that all these young kids are going after. 
I mean, Allie needs about two more top tens, and I think he's pretty darn close. So he's in the field this week. Do you think he's back, or do you think this is more a blip on the radar for Allie? I, I mean, he, he the, this is a player who had like five top tens on the Corn Ferry Tour. He didn't have a win last year, but he led the, he, he led the Corn Ferry Tour in birdies made like birdie average or something like that. He was up there in like first or second. But that's, a, that's not an easy thing to do. Like that is a talented tour you're talking about, right? So he's, it's not like he's been playing bad golf. He's still Ollie. He's still inconsistent, but uh, you see the upside there. Um, and, and I will say this, like you bring up, he needs a couple more top finishes. I think with the RSM Classic coming up with this week, like the courses are there for Ollie to potentially get this done and potentially maybe even grab a win because these are the courses Ollie is going to excel at. He has not hit many fairways. He's still way inconsistent off the tee. I think he's like last in driving accuracy, but it doesn't matter at these kind of courses. I'm not sure if it's going to matter this week either. So um, this is a good situation for him. He can excel on these type of courses, makes a ton of birdies. Um, you know, he was up there in green and greens and regs. He was uh, up there in scrambling last week. If he stays strong around the greens, he'll, uh, he'll contend in my opinion. And here's a guy uh, for all of you listening that may not have been following golf that long or know this guy. I mean, here's a guy as an amateur, almost took down the Open Championship. Um, yeah, he was in contention, yeah. Yeah, he was in contention on Sunday. Ended up coming in third or fourth, I think. So, and, 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 and Kevin brings up a good point in our chat. In his mind, Ollie is like Smiley Kaufman. And in a way, they're somewhat comparable, although it looks like Smiley Kaufman is just off the face of the earth now in terms of yeah. golfing world. At least we're seeing Ollie have a little bit of a resurgence. Maybe, maybe that'll get uh, as the, the other one we just mentioned, Smiley Kaufman going. But um, <laughs> certainly, uh, certainly a, a struggle for both those golfers in the last few years. Good to see Ollie possibly coming back. Another one, I wanted to ask you about the back-to-back top tens here for a guy named David Hearn. Now, if you've been following golf long enough, you know this guy. But what do you make of, of something like that? I mean, the guy basically doesn't play well that much anywhere else. And then all of a sudden he's a top 10 in Bermuda. Is this something we need to look at at this course next year? Like just play David Hearn and Ryan Armour, no matter what form they're in. And Brian Gay for that matter too, actually. You know, you can, you can definitely throw Brian Gay in with those guys. And I, I don't know, man, there's some with these veteran players coming to these easier events. It, and again, you mentioned it, these courses that are shorter with no rough, they bring every style into play. Like it, it just doesn't really matter what you're doing off the tee here. If you're good with your scoring clubs, you're going to compete. And like guys like David Hearn, Brian Gay, man, like you saw Brian Gay. I mean, you, you give him no rough. He'll just throw it out there and he'll have, a, he'll have a shorter to mid iron. He'll throw it close because it, it's easy. The greens are easy to stick. You know, they don't have to worry about their ball height or spin rates or whatever. Like, they, they're just good at that. I mean, that, that's what they've been doing for the past 10, 12 years, honing their craft. And they just, these, these type of courses bring them in. So, yeah, I, I, you always have to consider them. That, that's what makes these events so hard to, to play. So hard to right handicap, right? yeah. DFS, like, yep. So, I don't know. Yeah, the answer is yes. I mean, unfortunately, because. <laughs> unfortunately. No, it, very it really true. Does make it, hard. it really does make it tough for, from a fantasy perspective, yeah. I laugh because you were mentioning how good Brian Gay is with just like throwing it out there somewhere and getting a wedge in his hands. He goes on his 18th hole because uh, he obviously he needs three to three to tie Clark at 15 under and he throws it up there and he goes getting the hole from his wedge shot from uh, way off he, the rock. He, was, he wasn't like, even he was close, close on 18 on either. He was yeah. on a hill. Like yeah, he, he like way right, got a free drop out of it. I mean, just, just sure lucky. So let's yeah. go to our DFS review, our, our third topic here. We'll bring in a couple of slides. 
talk about some points, talk about some ownership, see how the chalk did, and of course, then go over to our pro review. So in the points wise, so William Clark still edged Brian Gay. So you can see Brian Gay maybe a little bit more consistent there. Because even with the finishing points, Brian Gay finished short of William Clark. Denny McCarthy had a heck of a Sunday uh, at one point at a time for the lead, got up to 105 points. There's Ollie, 101. Stuart Sank, man. Here's the thing. I, I was having uh, a little bit of a chat with people uh, through the social media waves. Found out on Thursday that all of a sudden his son was on the bag again, Jeff. And here he is again in the top 10, top five in G DK scoring. Why is his son taking another job? I don't understand. Why does he not just be his dad's caddy? Get to travel all these fun places. He's obviously going to make just as much money doing this as he would the other thing. And his dad playing the best golf of his career. Uh, I mean, maybe not. He's a major winner. So some of the best golf of his career. For his age. You're, you're Stuart Sink's dad. Aren't you trying to maybe give him 14% to get him to keep caddying for you? Totally. I mean, there's probably some conversations going on in the Sink household. I don't know what Stuart Sink's son is up to, like, in terms of a career. But, like, you know, you, you take one year with your dad. Maybe he goes off to the tour. And then you get on someone, you know, like one of these young studs bags or something. I mean, there's, there's opportunity here for Stuart Sink's son. But, yeah, something, something to keep track of for sure. I mean, he's obviously playing good golf. I mean, um, look, I mean – we didn't need to talk about Stuart Singh like winning the Masters or anything crazy like that, but at the same time, like if he's playing, good, <laughs> we need to. Uh, we do need to maybe just keep an eye on the situation because I, I really regret not sort of like I saw the the fact he was on there, but I didn't realize I wasn't like ah I need to get a piece of Stuart Singh now. I probably should have. Um, he's playing really good golf, and you know if that connection keeps firing, I'll I'll keep an eye on it next time. Yeah, for for sure. It's just interesting how if if you yeah. look at the last like three or four events where the sun is caddied versus where. Kip Henley has caddied. It's a significant difference. It's just crazy. All right, finishing out, Matt Jones. He kind of came out of nowhere in a windy event, uh, the Australian. Doc Redman, he shows up again in these low-scoring kind of off-field events. Kramer Hickok was a great call by uh, my partner on Wednesday, Ben. Uh, David Hearn and Ryan Armour uh, finish out the top 10, as we just mentioned. Switching over to the ownership side, had um, four missed cuts out of the top 10 owned, three top 10s though, and four top 25. So kind of a mixed bag. Um, if you faded the right chalk, you were definitely in front of the gang. And for me, I played West Bryan in GPP a little bit, but faded him in every single one of my big dollar lineups. So it, it ended up working out for me there. Zalatoris was number one. He came 18th. Bryan, number two. He came in 112. Denny McCarthy there. He's third. Uh, he was 25% owned. Adam Shank, 20% in 25th. Doc Redmond, 19% owned in 7th. Harold Varner, he was the probably the guy that cost me the second most money behind the next guy on the list, Justin Sue. Both of them coming right outside the cut number. Uh, in terms of points scored, Varner, of course, wasn't even close to the cut. Justin Sue, on the other hand, I'm sure you probably saw that. He needed birdie on Saturday morning. Right. His, his round got cut short, could not do it. Christopher Ventura needed par. He made bogey with Frugal. Uh, Sepp Straka, Henrik Norlander, and Stuart Sink rounded out the top 10 owned and not bad showing. Now that let's go to the deep, top GPP lineup review. He's got two of those guys on there. Actually, I'm sorry, three of those guys. No surprise. Um, it was Doc Redmond, Danny McCarthy, Stuart Sink, Russell Knox, Wyndham Clark, and Doug Gim. Great find on that Doug Gim, but... What do you think about Russell Knotts? Kind of showed up again uh, for the first time in a while. This guy had 20 entries. Sorry, I forgot to change the entries uh, number there. Uh, we'll go over his player pool for 20 entries in just a little bit. Um, but 
pretty good lineup. I mean, faded Will Zalatoris and still got it done. I, I pretty much all of my lineups had it. That was a way, though, to get more salary and maybe get away from some of the guys that missed the cut. So, um, well, Bill on this line, no golfers below 7,000 this week, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, you know, it's one of those things with, uh, with, with a guy like Wyndham Clark, who's a little bit up there in salary and Doc Redman coming to the top five. I mean, just worked out, obviously he didn't need Zalatoris. So, um, I kind of like Russell Knox or liked Russell Knox just as a play last week. And he, he's striking the ball really well. If Russell Knox ever starts putting again, like you could really see him, you know, come in like the top five here. So I, that's a player I would really keep an eye on. Um, definitely not shocked that maybe he like finally started to make another cut at a weaker field event. Again, maybe just the easier greens. I don't know, allowed him to do that, but he's really hitting it well. I think he was like third in greens and reg or maybe even second. Uh, we already talked about Stuart Sink. Yeah, McCarthy was a guy, you know, I, I, again, if you if you were fading Zal Torres, I definitely, and just because of this type of event, I definitely get, you know, going to him with the Doc Redmond stack. I just couldn't get myself to click on him with like him being more expensive than Stenson. It's a real kind of like subconscious thing in these events where a guy like McCarthy is so expensive. He sets up so well for it, but it's like, it's so hard to pay that much for Danny McCarthy, man. Like really? I know he's, he's his great putter and, and uh, this, this event, you know, lend itself to like great iron player and putters, but man, it was hard. I couldn't do it, but kudos to the people who did. Cause realistically, like, you know, between him and Stenson, I mean, like Stenson just mentally, he's just, He's not there, right? I mean, like you saw a guy like Danny McCarthy grinding, making the weekend, and Stenson just taking Friday off, man. Yeah. What a. It's brutal. We'll uh, talk about Stenson in in a second. Uh, Alex and I, uh, Alex Osmond, Baker, we're talking about Stenson and Pat Perez here in a little bit. And you'll see why as we go to our pro review. Alex's top GPP play of the week was Henrik Stenson. He had a man at 45% owned, then went to Zalatoris at 42. A nice leverage there with Holgard and Redmond at 37, 26%. Brandon Grace, 22. Vegas, 19. Knox, 16. Pat Perez, though, 14. Danny McCarthy, 13. And Harold Varner, 13 as well. So, yeah, two in the top 10, uh, five over 20. Three golfers missed the cut. Two of them were withdraws, though. So, he only had really one that missed the cut. So, what I talked to him about was, is that Pat Perez and Henrik Stenson have a history of playing in these off-field events, not playing well, either in the first round or the second round, and just straight up giving up. I think it happened with both of them this week. Pat Perez, we know he made the cut, but I think he was home before the second round was even done on Friday. I don't think he had any chance or any reason to think that he had a chance to win that tournament, so he just gave up. And I think with these old veteran golfers that do not need to be there, they want to be there to play golf, but if they don't play well, they aren't going to stick around to, to measy out a top 25 finish. They don't care about a top 25 finish, at least them two, at least. They're there to try and win it. If they can't win it, they're done. So I think there comes a lot more risk in those guys now. Uh, we've seen it time and time again, especially with those two names, Stenson and Perez. Yeah, and I mean, look, like, it, it's such a tough thing with these events because we have seen Pat Perez win events like this. Like, he won the OHL Classic, um, you know, at, at one point. So he did. It, it, it's a boomer bust. And, it's and exactly. It's this is unfortunately you almost want to say this is the more likely scenario with these guys at this point because you know they've especially Stenson he, he just does this so much at, at, at these events and yeah he can show up and top five here so easily but like 
It's not going, man. Like he just does not care. So it's they really tough. Okay. Both of them played okay on on uh, on Thursday. I mean, yeah, no, I mean, Stanton was good for a while. I mean, yep. you wake up Friday morning, it's like the wind is up, and wow, man, like what a turn of events. So I don't know. Yeah, like you said, it, it's a complete boomer bust thing. It it is brutal. Now, even with all that. Alex was still able to make a top 105 lineup, even though he had 45% of his lineups not even finished yeah. the round. Uh, so pretty good finish there, was able to do it. Yeah, That's why this strategy is a little bit more so of what I go to. Now, I was a little bit higher on Zalatoris than I normally am, as you uh, see in there. I was 62% Zalatoris, 56% Wyndham Clark. You can imagine my screen going into the weekend looked amazing. I knew it was just going to get worse and worse and worse because I have 50% Justin Sue. Uh, I had 29% Hostler, 29% Straka, 29% Redmond. All those did me well. Um, it was a profitable week for me in GPPs. I made the best lineup possible that had Pat Perez in it. Um, I think you might have seen on my Twitter. It was brutal. Uh, certainly cost me at least hundreds, if not thousands. Uh, Harold Varner, 23%. That was my big miss. Uh, Holgard, also 23. Gim, 23. Camilio Villegas, 21. Tom Lewis, 19. And Russell Knox, 17. Um, obviously, Wyndham Clark being 56%, uh, it's going to be tough for me to lose seeing as he was only 5% owned. But brutal beat for me uh, to have Justin Sue miss that cut after being at five under at one point in the second round. Yeah. That was a brutal one for me. I did 10 golfers over 20%, um, liked the distribution. Like I said, I was a little high on Zalatoris because I felt that he was in a way better position than Brendan Todd. So I really wanted to leverage that. We knew ownership was going to be high. Um, but as you can see, a little bit higher than I normally do. Uh, now let's go over to our two other guys. The guy that won uh, the $10 last week, J King 114, and also Brick 75. Brian Hooper will take a look at both those. First, we'll go with the 20 max entry. Or not the 20 max, oh, sorry. The winner used 20 lineups to get it. It was his second lineup. And as you can see, Jeff, hit Harold Varner in almost 50% of them. Nine out of 20 of those lineups had Varner in it. Also had guys like Chris Baker, who missed the cut, Rob Oppenheim, who missed the cut, Wes Bryan, who missed. Didn't matter, though, did it? Still found it. Found the way to get the best line of out there. Yeah, it's pretty sick um, to have, like, almost 50% Harold Barner. Uh, obviously, just, you know, ejected on Friday and uh, and still find a way to get done. Even had 30% Norlander in there, which is, like, that. that those are big ownerships on guys who, who didn't make the weekend. So 20% Ventura. But, again, it just shows you, like um, – you know, it just takes one lineup and, uh, okay. you know, when you, you get the right combo, man, I mean, you know, having 40% Doc Redman obviously gave him a chance. I think, um, it's pretty crazy to see his, his ownership actually. And, and to think that he won it, but uh, again, it just speaks like sometimes you just need that one lineup. It's probably like, it might've even been like a hedge lineup for him or something. So, um, that got it done pretty crazy. Yeah. And somebody asked in the chat, why did Varner have such a bad round after having a relatively decent round on Thursday? When the wind when the wind starts to get you as a golfer, it can really just get right into your head mentally, where you know you don't have control of the golf ball, and if you know you don't have control over it, and then have no capacity to put the ball where you need to, it just gets in your head. And then once he made that, he went triple double, the rare triple double in in golf, which is not a good thing like it is in NBA. After that, he was five over. He there was no coming back from that. Um, There's such big difference in, in uh, conditions between round one and round two that it's like you said some people dealt with it good and the people who didn't it, it wasn't like you shot like two over it was like you either shot eight over or you were like one under 
for the day. Yep. Like that, that was the difference. And the people who shot eight over had zero chance of making the cut. So it was yeah, just uh, you don't you don't see that that often. But the conditions were so different. They really were. And and like you said, it, it can go either way. We saw somebody like Bo Hossler go out and shoot even par on Thursday in super easy conditions. He bounced back and shot three under during the hard conditions. I kind of wish it had stayed that way the whole round because I had a lot of men, about 30%. Yeah. And he's just a guy that performs better. Um, okay, so let's uh, go on. Let's talk about a couple of our lineups. Speaking of Bo Hossler, I think that's a pretty good lead-in here uh, to our next one, uh, which we'll start off with my lineup. This was in the $100. It was, I think, leading going into the weekend. But when you have Harold Varner in there, any low-scoring event, you know it's not going to do well. Uh, this one had Emiliano Grillo, Maverick McNeely, Wyndham Clark, Bill Hostler, and Ryan Armour. So had Harmer in Clark. This was my one. So I did four big dollar lineups. Three of them got inside the min cash last week. So again, a, a decently profitable week. But this is kind of what I did. I, I filtered Redmond, Zalatoris, and Varner and Grillo, the top four guys. I X'd out uh, Todd. I didn't play McCarthy in the big dollars. This is how I did it. So this is how Varner and Grillo ended up here instead of Zalatoris and Redmond. Um Kind of, a, a, of course, brutal beat for me having, you know, Clark and Armour in in a single entry and not being able to find six of six. But all in all, pretty good. Um, another, you know, this was a 4X lineup, so I can't complain that much about it. Uh, my ownership was way down on this one. It was good against the grain going to Maverick McNeely. I guess somebody wanted to play him. For me, he's a similar player Denny McCarthy. He just couldn't make the putts on Sunday. He shot three under bogey free. Yeah. Um, McCarthy finished, I think, uh, eight under or seven under. So, Pretty much the same player. Uh, would you agree? I mean, if, if a McCarthy-McNeely scenario came up, there's not much difference in them, do you think? No, I agree. If anything, McNeely at least gives you distance off the tee, probably gives you a higher birdie rate, right? So, um, no, I like that. I like that McNeely play for sure. I was uh, a player I really wish I had just gotten exposure to. I was looking, thinking about him all week. Um, how'd, you, well, how'd you fall in Ryan Armour? Like, was there something, or was it just kind of like, I'm in this range, and it's like, I'm just taking this, this veteran guy? Because, I mean, yeah. I, and not to say that that's a bad thing, because, again, we talked at the top of these events. Yep. Pretty much what you have to do when you get in this range, right? Yeah, so it, it is. Um, that's one of the two. So it the, goes back to the Tournament of Champions. So when I went out there with my wife, uh, we were sitting on the sixth hole at Kapalua, and he walked off of it and stood and talked to us for like 10 minutes. So I just kind of got an affection towards him. I just I liked him, really nice guy. Um, I tried chatting with him over the last couple of years. So it kind of just stuck with me, and I like him. And then I see the top 10 from last year, uh, and I was just like, all right, you know what? This is a perfect spot for him. I had the 6,600 in salary. I already used Putnam, Tway, and, and Villegas, or Villegas, uh, I should say. So um, all those guys made the cut. So all my low price guys made the cut. Um I just couldn't find the higher price guys in this scenario. Uh, yours, on the other hand, Jeff, I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, <laughs> you warned me prior to sending this that you got bitten uh, pretty bad. Uh, the Henrik Stenson withdrawal, of course, is yeah. brutal. But then Norlander, Grio, uh, Norlander, Sue just could not weather the wind. Kelly Kraft, he looked like he didn't care. And Ryan Gibson, same thing. Your, your guys just, they couldn't play on Friday. Yeah, no, I mean, it was... Um... It was never really looking that great for me this week, but like, um, you know, you wake up and, and like Norlanders, uh, you know, Stenson's like nine over par. Sue, Sue was making birdies, but then he started making bogeys. Kraft never got it going. I went Gibson in this lineup over Ollie. I, I actually wrote up as my low GPP flyers, Ollie Gibson. And I can't remember who the last one was, but um, you know, my, my low guys, it was the exact opposite of yours. Like I, my, all my low guys just sucked. 
I mean, anyone under 7K for me was absolutely terrible this week. We, needed, for all just, we needed to just trade and uh, mix it in. We would have had it. Well, I mean, I just needed like to not play this week, quite frankly. But, <laughs> but I mean, like this, this actually, it's kind of funny. This actually hasn't happened to me in a while where I've had like, you know, basically just more guys, way more guys miss the cut than than make it. But um, if there's ever going to be an event where you don't really feel that bad about it, it's probably this one with the crazy wind and stuff. So look, man, this is going to happen to you eventually. And, um, you know, even just looking at it now, this lineup actually still looks pretty good to me. Like I still kind of would want to play this lineup. So, you know, Sue's out there making birdies. Stenson started well, but um, Sue you know, broke, yes. didn't hold together very well. Um, my only my only um, regret is not playing Aldi, like I said. I don't know why I played Ryan Gibson. He freaking sucks, but uh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, even even as as you mentioned, it wouldn't have got you into the cash. It just would have looked better without no, exactly, exactly. It just would have looked better. It's just would, it would have felt better for the brand, right? <laughs> totally, totally understand that. All right, so that is going to do it for our wrap-up of the Bermuda Championship. Don't worry, we'll get another chance to talk about Port Royal Golf Club next year as it seems like a pretty mainstay. Hopefully next year they get the statistical feed figured out. Maybe they bring shot length. That'd be great. It would make the experience a little bit better. Because, man, I was tilting pretty much the entire week not knowing what was going on. I, I, I got to a point where I understood the groove that they were doing, updating shot by shot, so I could know when my golfer was in trouble or not just because I, I was staring at it so much. But um, anyways, we won't have to do that this week as we go into the Houston Open, which we've got three of the top ten in the world here to compete, Jeff, which is definitely a vast difference from last week. A lot of golfers uh, using this as a tune-up for the Masters. No surprise to see Dustin Johnson, obviously, here since he got COVID. Um, but before you talk about Dustin Johnson, I want to talk quickly about the Monday Night Football giveaway we got going on on Twitter. So you're going to go to our uh, Twitter handle, awesomeowners.com, and all you're going to do, you're going to tell us who's going to throw more passing yards tonight, my quarterback, Tommy Brady, or the new guy for the New York Giants, or not new guy, second year, Daniel Jones. So just follow the instructions on the graphic and predict who's going to throw more yards tonight. One random winner will be selected among the correct guesses. And what you're going to do, you're going to win a year of Awesome Plus NFL. So pretty cool there. So, uh, Jeff, uh, now, uh, just the 10 seconds on Tommy Brady. Am I a bandwagon fan for being a Bucks guy? Because I'm a Brady guy first. Everyone always asks me, are you a fan of the Patriots coming from Rhode Island? Yeah, but I'm a Brady guy. I'm a Brady Gronk guy. Does that mean I'm allowed to be a Bucks fan or am I a bandwagon fan? Yeah, it's kind of a weird situation, isn't it? I guess feel like a, a former Pats fan. I mean, I, I don't know. I, it's like they don't like abandon your main team. Like if you were a Pats fan before and you're just like, I don't like the Pats anymore, that would be weird. But I like I, I, I was I went through a similar situation with Wayne Gretzky when I when I grew up. And like I, I definitely still cheered for Wayne Gretzky and I didn't feel bad about it. So now I think you're allowed to cheer for the Bucks a little bit. All right, good, sweet. Because uh, I'm, I definitely uh, want a team that's actually winning. Because yeah, that's all. Nice. It's Patriots. Bucks are good this year. Bucks are really good. Yeah, the defense is definitely stacking up. That's why, again, I like Tom Brady for the challenge tonight. So uh, go ahead and do that. Okay, now let's talk about the Houston Open. Uh, we've got Dustin Johnson here. It's being played at Memorial Park, which we're going to go into uh, here in a second. But what we do, Brooks Kepka, he's in the field this week, getting his second start from coming back from injury. Also had a lot of redesign of this golf course help with Tom Doak. So what say you about the field? Are you surprised that it's this popular given the fact that it's the Masters next week? I mean, e even if it was April and this tournament was happening, which it used to do, the field wasn't this good. 
Yeah, it was, it would kind of fluctuate year to year. I mean, we would often get guys coming out. I mean, I remember Spieth won it the year before he won. I think Baba actually withdrew from this event one year, like after playing so bad in round one and then won the masters the next week. Yeah. That's that was the year. So we've, we've seen some, some big players come here and, and play well, but you're right. I mean, like having the number one player in the world and Brooks, Adam Scott's here. It, it's a pretty solid, it's probably better than most years than we had in April when it was uh, right prior to masters. So I think there's a couple things. I think the fall schedule has been kind of light. I think guys didn't want to go to Bermuda last week. You know, some people maybe uh, didn't like the Vegas scene or whatever. So uh, and then you got guys coming in who just, you know, Finau, Johnson, like they, they need to get played because they, they obviously had to take weeks off because of the COVID situation. Uh, maybe Scotty Scheffler in a similar situation. So, um, you know, I, I think there's a multitude of reasons. Uh, I think just with the weirdness that is Augusta, I know I, I read one thing this week that Augusta wasn't opening for players to come in and play practice rounds the last three weeks. So, um, you know, they didn't like oftentimes in April, players will go there, they'll get in, they'll be able to stay there early, play a couple practice rounds and that's their prep. They don't have that luxury this year. So again, you know, playing an event is like a, a just a better trade-off. Um, I'm still surprised that we have this many top players just because of the COVID situation, obviously more traveling, more risk, but um, yep. at the same time, you need competitive prep. Like it's risk versus reward, right? So. Yeah. And, and you kind of mentioned that they brought up to Phil Mickelson in, in a interview there that uh, there are fans here this week. There were fans at the Bermuda championship. It, it seemed to go pretty well. I, I kind of liked having fans back. It was nice to hear some cheering. Um, I didn't really miss them that much, but I didn't really, uh, I, I enjoyed having them back. So it's kind of luxury that, you know, it is what it is. If it happens, obviously we're not going to have it at Augusta. That one, I, I, I think I will miss it there. You know, I'll miss the, the roars on Sunday of, of somebody mm-hmm. making the charge and, and yep. putting that fear, uh, into the, the leaders. So maybe I'll miss it there. Um, okay, let's, uh, move on and talk about the golf course for a couple of minutes. Memorial Park, it is a municipal golf course, part of the, uh, Memorial Park in, the outskirts of the city there in Houston. What I love about this course, it, it actually saved the tournament the Houston Open. It was going through a bad time where it was being played at formerly called Redstone. I actually played the course when I went down to Houston uh, eight or nine years ago and spent three or four months there. Played uh, the course where they used to have it, uh, but it was going through a time where it lost sponsors. Then uh, Vivint, uh, I believe it's a solar company or something like that. Um, and the new venue here at Memorial Park kind of revived it. Uh, they've got a whole complex here at Memorial Park where they've redone, uh, mentioned by Tom Doak and Brooks Kepka. They also put in a, a fully lit driving range where there's a short course on it. So a really all-encompassing feel for a golf course that gets like 50,000 plus rounds played per year. If you're a junior and you live in Houston area, you get to play the course for 10 bucks, which is really cool. You get to go play a PGA Tour course. Um, but all of that to me, Jeff, means that it's probably going to play pretty easy this week. Normally when you see a municipal golf course like this, it's going to be easy off the tee because they yeah. don't want rounds to be 90 hours long. So par 72, 7,400 yards, probably going to feel shorter than that this week. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the you know, the, reading up on the renovations and stuff, just looking at the course, it looks like they've given themselves like a wide range of options at this course to really just kind of flex it out to make it play like 7,400 plus yards yeah. or play like, you know, obviously it's not going to play like that regularly or for most people, but uh, with the renos, they, they've given themselves that flexibility. I still don't think it's going to be that hard either, especially off the tee. I think there'll be um, fairly wide open in, in a lot of spots. I think the only thing that they could really do here, and this is kind of what they did at TPC Harding Park, is just grow the rough up a lot. But like, are, are they, like we were talking about a prep for a major versus a prep for just a PGA Tour event. I, I don't 
I don't think that's going to happen. Now, that's something I might look for. Uh, I think if the rough is up, I think that would actually just give the Bombers a better advantage anyways, and it would lead me towards only playing Bombers. If we don't get any signs like that, and of course it's going to play fine, the weather's fine. So I, I think this is going to be a course where, yeah, good par five scores, you know, like Wyndham Clark last week are going to have a advantage, but I, I think it'll still bring in all types of players. So, um, you know, look for that. If you see anything about the rough or anything that might, uh, that might lead me towards really emphasizing distance a little bit more. But other than that, I think you're right. Probably uh, fairly straightforward as far as, you know, a little bit lower scoring and easy. Yeah. So the PGA tour, uh, they took out or during the renovations, I should say, not the PGA tour, uh, Capca and, and Dope, they took out a bunch of uh, bunkers actually used to be 50 plus bunkers. They took it down to like 20 to 25. And what they did is replaced it with kind of some high grass fescue area. Um, so it makes it a little bit easier for, for us amateurs and, uh, Probably a little bit easier for the pros as well. Although the pros hitting from the bunkers, uh, they're pretty good. They probably struggle more in high grass than they do out of bunkers, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, they're so talented out of there. Another one of the big changes, uh, Jeff, that I wanted to bring up, I thought it was going to be a par 71, 7,300 yards. But what they did was, which surprises me, but I guess it's not a major, so they don't care about protecting par or anything like that, is they switched the first hole, which is a par four, about 490 from the tips. They stretched it out about 30 yards and they made it a par five, 520 yards. So going from the easiest hole on the course, I'm sorry, going from the hardest hole to now making it probably the easiest, um, just a, a big change. I think that it's probably going to bring the average score to about three under. I think we're looking at a minus five cut, something like that. Again, I'm kind of hypothesizing, but given the fact that it's a muni, there's not a lot of trouble off the tee. There's only two water hazards. I think that come into play on the course, 16 and 17. I suspect some pretty low scoring this week, especially with some of the better players here. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that first hole, if it was like some regular par five or if they flex it. But again, they, they obviously have some flexibility there. Um, it, there is five par fives on this course too. I don't know if we mentioned that already. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah sorry. The yeah. first hole being a par five. Um, and we had five par fives last week too. I, I can't even remember week to week. but I, I think uh, yeah, it, Two weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, not a Bermuda the week before. Yep. Right, right. Two weeks ago. That's right. At Sherwood, right. So a uh, similar situation to, to this one. I mean, maybe something to think about looking at the results there. I don't know. But um, obviously with the, the, the five par fives, you kind of think it kind of helps the, the Bombers a little bit. I mean, I, I did, you know, I agree that like it's going to bring in all different styles and, uh, you know, there'll be different people in play. But you know, it's something to think about again, but um, yeah, it, it should, it should, it should be low scoring. I mean, it, it really should be uh, minus five, probably a good ballpark bet. I wouldn't shock me at all. Um, we'll see. I mean, it's the first time we've seen the course, so I don't want to make any bets. It's definitely going to be under par. I would say the cut if I, if I really had to guess. Um, yep. So should, should lead itself to mixing in a lot of styles, getting in play. That's my one prediction. Uh, I don't think you'll necessarily just see big hitters excel here. Uh, you're going to have to sing some putts. You're going to have to convert your birdie chances, not just give yourself birdie chances, right? So, um, yeah, it should, it should be a fun event. As long as it doesn't play too, too easy and, and too, too crazy, uh, I think you might see something a little bit similar to Sherwood uh, a couple weeks ago. Yeah, yeah I, I I agree uh, there on, on most fronts. Uh, we had a question in chat. Uh, is it Bermuda Greens? I'm almost positive um, from everything that I've seen. First off, it's the easiest to maintain. So again, it's a municipal course, so you want to keep it easy, especially with the rounds played on it. So I believe it's Bermuda. Um, so somebody said Sam Burns is in block uh, because of that. Certainly there are our services. And Sanjay. Yeah, and, and, and Sanjay, that's a good point. Um, obviously next week, it'll be interesting to see actually what Augusta does. I'm sure they've, they've kept the, the POA. I'm sure they're not going to get rid of that just because it's November. I, and if they overseeded it to Bermuda, then the biggest shock to me in the world 
So it will be two different putting services, but again, we don't have to worry about that this week. It is just uh, Bermuda. If it does change, and I do see that they've mixed in some Bent or some Poa in here, of course, we'll update that, but almost positive that it's Bermuda throughout, especially on the municipal. Can't imagine that they'd even have the, the money to throw out on Ben, to be honest with you. Um, okay, yeah. let's uh, talk about our first clicks. Uh, the odds came out uh, pretty much right as we came on air here. Uh, but, Jeff, we've been on a pretty darn good run on our first clicks. So maybe we got to be a little more selective. Uh, uh, you know, give us a couple of seconds to take a look at it. Um, but uh, I think I've got a couple of names. One name that we've already mentioned uh, here on the show already, sitting at 110 to 1, 18 to 1 on the 5, 9 to 1 on the top 10, about 4.5 to 1 on the top 20. And it's Maverick McDealy. If it's not going to be hard off the tee and we're going to need putting, not only did he, not only was he in the top 10 in driving distance, he was also in the top 10 in driving accuracy, a really rare combo last week. So I like Maverick McDealy um, here this week. I know he's not a Houston guy, he's a California kid, his dad, you know, Sun Microsystems and all. Um, but 110 to 1 uh, was one of my first clicks. Yeah, no, definitely uh, looking at that type of player in that range. Um, you know, another player we actually just mentioned is Sam Burns. He's also available uh, in, in, on some books in that similar range. And uh, I, he was kind of one of my long shot first clicks as well. Um, big off the tee, uh, makes a lot of birdies. Someone mentioned, you know, putts better on Bermuda. And, and from what I've heard, this is going to be pure Bermuda greens as well. So uh, I'm liking the way Sam Burns has played lately. I'm definitely going to be thinking about adding a guy like Maverick McNeely as well. I might even look at Wyndham Clark again. I think it sets up for these young guys to, to uh, well, they, they don't necessarily have to hit every fairway. So um, I'm down with Maverick McNeely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 110 to one um, is what intrigued me there. I mean, we've got um, another guy that's been playing pretty well that has uh, been bombing it and now has come down. Uh, was one of my first flicks here. I know it's a better field, but this guy was, you know, Going through the playoffs, he's playing really well. It's Cameron Davis, 75 to 1, 12 to 1 on the top five, 5 to 1 on the top 10. Any interest in Cameron Davis uh, for you? And then we'll transition into some DFS talk. So, yeah, for me, um, you know, I, I took a look at Cam Davis right off the top. I mean, his, um, his price isn't quite as good as the other guys we mentioned, so something to think about. But it, it kind of comes down to, like, uh, what, your card, what you want your card to look like this week. I know for me, I'm probably going to hit up a couple of top guys. And I'll just mention, like, the first golfer quickly. The, the first golfer I clicked this, this week was Scotty Scheffler. Uh, I like this. He's absolutely beast mode off the tee in his last start. He just hasn't quite put the putting together since he's been back, but it looks like he's slowly kind of just starting to get everything back. The approaches, he had a couple of really good rounds with the approaches in his last start as well. I uh, just kind of didn't finish it off that T17 at Sherwood very well, but he was in contention there with the four par five or the five par fives at Sherwood. And, and you know, with this being a similar setting, he just puts a little bit better. I, I, and, you know, maybe a little less pressure because it's a weaker field. I could see this being the spot for Scotty Scheffler. So he was my first click, but yeah, you know, Cam Davis, absolutely. It's just, it's just how you want to create your card. I like going with a couple top guys like Scheffler. I'm, I might add Finau. I don't really want to, but I might add Finau. I might add Hanley or someone like that. I mentioned Sanjay. And then I'm just going to take like three or four of those guys, like Davis, McNeely, Wyndham Clark. Uh, I already mentioned Burns, who I already clicked. So that'll be my strategy this week. I'll probably go a couple guys in like the 20 to 30 range and then like three or four in the 80 to 100 and above. Yeah, any um, any long long ones that that you see right now? I mean, again, this is this is just our first click. Like, yep. here's Here's the thing. If off the team really doesn't matter, which is what you and I are semi-suggesting, again, it could change by the time we come or, or we find more things out or 
as more interviews come, they say, hey, the rough is really up or, or whatever it may be. But if that's not the case, you know, shoot me down where I stand. But Andrew Putnam, top 15 last week, guy that has gotten hot with his irons. He had a lot of greens last week, hit over 75% over seventy of his greens. He's one of the best putters. You know, he's a new dad. I mean, he's checking a couple boxes. I know that I, I lost some money on him here recently. Um, but 275 to 1, him and um, Robbie Shelton I saw there and was like, yeah, I think they've probably got a chance at a top 20, which you're going to get good odds at 275 to 1 to win. I, I like Putnam for a top 20, for sure. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, again, just because he can get hot with his putter, right? Like, yeah. yep. you don't necessarily need him. And obviously, you don't need him to win the event if you're doing um, top 20. But, you know, again, I, I like get it. It's almost like a backdoor thing, like with Putnam. I mean, if he strikes the ball well, great. But if he doesn't and he just puts the lights out, he'll probably get you there anyways on a course like this and an event like this. So I like that call. Um, I haven't really fallen in love with anyone under. Thinking about Will Gordon, maybe. Uh, this might be a good spot. He's still not, maybe not quite there, but uh, those are pretty big odds on Will Gordon as well. Um, Ooh, yeah. Just looking down. Yeah. I, 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 I one more down. If you want to keep scrolling guy that made the cut last week, as I, as I looked into him more, his approach game from under 125 yards this year has been one of the best. He just hadn't putted well. That's Kevin Tway. He's at 600. Right. No, no, granted it. This guy is a PGA tour winner, but he's been in terrible form, but We've seen a break. He's made the last two cuts now. So at 600 to one, again, I think for a top 20 bet, I feel like it's pretty good value there. No, I was actually literally just about to say Kevin Joy. Kevin Joy? Yes. Like, because, you know, just, just to think about, right, at, at those odds. I mean, they're pretty crazy odds. Um, you know, if he just gets going a little bit on the greens, man, I mean, he, he is absolutely smashes the ball off the tee. So, um, yeah, definitely someone I'll, I'll probably dabble on in, in some regard. Uh, just because I think this event is going to set up really well for him. I'm probably going to give Bo Hosler uh, a chance here too. Um, again, it's a pretty highly touted young player. He's really good putter. So if he can just, you know, have a, a you know, up that ball strike, even just a notch over last week, like it could really come together for him here. I think he's probably got some revenge factor. He, he remember he lost this event in brutal fashion to Ian Bolter here a couple of years ago. He's a Houston, he's a, a Texas guy. Um, I don't like, I wouldn't forget about Bo Hosler necessarily. I, I, 125 to one. Yeah. I was almost expecting it to be a little bit smaller than that, but again, with Dustin in the field, getting really good odds and guys like Burns, you know, yeah. Hauser up above. I mean, so um, it's a good week. I think to go a little bit hunting and these guys at uh, triple figures. Yeah. Two more on the betting side, then we'll switch over to DFS. Uh, I had the chat just asked us about the defending champion, Lando Griffin, who is, he's in fire form right now. I got to be honest, whether he's getting it yeah. done with the putter, the around the green game approach doesn't matter. He's getting it done 60 to one. Are you clicking him again? I mean, 60 to one, like you said, because Dustin's in the field, you're getting the defending champion at the sets. Now, granted, it's a different golf course, so it's not like he's going back to to whatever. It was called Redstone and something else, then the golf club of Houston and whatever it was. Um, is Lanto on your card this week? And then the next one, saw chat mentioned, a guy that finally made the cut last week, looked like his ball striking came around, was Max Homa. 160 to one sits Max Homa. So uh, Lanto Griffin, Max Homa. I'm going to have to look into Max Homa a little bit. Um, I haven't really even uh, gotten that deep, but that's interesting. Um, Max Homa is really interesting at that price. I, I would not put anyone off that if he, if he hit the ball well last week. Um, again, just another player, like I mentioned, with uh, with Knox. Um, if he's hitting the ball well, these guys get their putter going, man. I mean, we're talking about tour like, winners, like guys who've won legitimate events. Um, you know, Russell Knox has won a WGC. 
all these guys need to do is just get a little confidence with their putter. They are right there, man. So uh, in a field like this, yeah, no, I, those odds on Max Homa, again, I got to look into the stats a little bit, but um, that makes perfect sense. And uh, you might even be able to find a better price than that because uh, it's not like he finished like top five or anything last week, did he? No. So, um, and then, uh, you know, on Lanto, I mean, this is, this is exactly the type of event and course you want for Lionel Graves. It's not, it's not super hard. Uh, he doesn't have to worry about being like crazy good off the tee. Uh, he can get absolutely, he, he's just a good putter, right? So someone who is consistently putting well and around the greens uh, scores well on par five. So it's, it's definitely, you know, like the price isn't as good, but I, I think for how well he's playing here, you know, you look at his range, you know, Redmond, Redmond's good, but you know, I, I think he's more of like a, you know, I, I just don't know if he's quite got that sharpness to, to finish yet in, in a score fest. Uh, we saw him come, come up short now twice in a couple of these kind of events. I'd probably rather go Griffin than uh, the other guys there. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't necessarily hate that bet um, in that range. Yeah. I think it's a, a pretty good one too. Um, okay. Let's go on to our DFS review for the last couple of our DFS preview, I should say for the last 10 minutes or so. And for the quick clicking around that I've done, I got to be honest, um, I'm struggling a little bit up top to trust some of these guys. First of all, we haven't seen DJ play in a long time because he had COVID and he actually had some pretty bad symptoms, I guess, from what was being reported. So we know he needs to get some reps. So we know he, he probably wants to play all four days to see where his game is at. Um, so I, I guess I'm not worried about him. Tony Finau, um, we know that he kind of bounced back pretty nicely at Sherwood. Came right back and shot all four rounds in the in the 60s. Then we got Kepka here, who obviously has probably played the course uh, quite a bit for having it been a redesign or at least knows the course because of that. Um, but then we've got Ty Hatton and Hideki Matsuyama above the two guys that I like the most this week. The two guys that I like the most is because they're not playing next week. They didn't get into the field, sadly, and that's Scotty Scheffler and Victor Hoblin. Now, remember, the Masters... Wait a sec, wait a sec. Isn't Scheffler in... I think yeah. Chef is in. Let me check. Uh, Scotty Scheffler is not in the field next week. Uh, wait. Yes, he is. I apologize. He's in no, field. that's okay. I wanted to make sure I was right, too, because I wasn't yeah, no, yeah, He's in. Victor Hovland is not Hovland, 100% not. You're right about Hovland, yeah. So I think it intrigues me a little bit more because Hovland's not in the field. You know, if he plays bad on on Thursday – he doesn't have an incentive to not play well on Friday. He's a guy that I do believe would bounce back, you know, in the scenario. It doesn't say, all right, well, I can be at Augusta by three o'clock this afternoon, you know, and play tomorrow morning in a, in a practice round. You know, Hoplin doesn't have that choice. Next year he will, of course, but um, this was for this year's April and he kind of was late coming onto the tour. Uh, so for me, starting off my lineups, 9,800 for Hoplin is pretty much where my first click is. Yeah, no, I, and look, I, I, I still think your philosophy still applies to Scheffler a little bit. I mean, this is a player who obviously had to take the COVID break. Uh, I don't think his form is necessarily quite where he wants it to be. So I think getting in the four rounds is going to be important to a younger player. And I think these younger players, I, they, they don't necessarily, like we said, we talked about the veterans, you know, I, th I think the veteran players are more likely to sort of bomb out here in some sort of like horrific fashion, like, you know, um, like Bubba did a couple of years ago or like five years ago, kind of like I mentioned, um, so I, I think it still applies to Scheffler. A guy's looking for his first win, you know, looking for to just kind of top off that form. But I, I agree on Hovland. This is kind of where I, you know, feel like the strongest about it. I like Sungjae for a lot of the reasons. A guy who just needs to start finding his putting stroke again. I, I can't see him not going like maximum effort this week. So um, I would throw Sungjae in with those two guys. And that looks like a pretty sweet spot to start. If I am going up top, I'm, going, I'm probably going Finau this week. I don't mind paying that price. 
Tony's putted pretty well lately. Um, you know, his irons at the U S open were, were pretty fired. He, he hit the ball well when he came back. So again, another player who just you know, is short on prep. I can't, and, and Tony Fino is a guy, we don't have a history of, of screwing it. It's like he, uh, do you ever, has Fino ever like withdrawn from anything? I, I don't know. He, he had a dislocated ankle and the dude. Right, so Tony Finau is out there for you folks. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the situation for him. I, I think he wants that extra prep. Um, that's kind of the guy I'm definitely comfortable paying up for. And I, I agree hundred percent though on the Hovland range. Um, I think that's a, that's a good one to stack. Yeah. And, uh, and before we move on, I want to tell everybody, if you're looking for some uh, free showdown content tonight for the big game, I think they're giving away a million bucks on DraftKings for the Bucks and Giants game. Uh, check out our NFL showdown single game top plays. It is our free content of the day, a uh, part of our free content that we have. We give out some of our premium content uh, for free each and every day. So check that out, of course. Um, and last one, before we give some of our other plays, listen, golf for this year, we've got this week. And then we've got three more weeks after. So a month left in the season for the PGA Tour side. So a perfect time to come on if you're not an Awesome Plus member. Join us on the Plus side, and you're going to get a month of PGA for $29.95. If you're not ready for the whole month and you want to try us out for the week before the Masters, check us out this week, just $8.95. Of course, you can add on Fantasy Cruncher for $4 and $13 for the week and the month there. So uh, some of the best stuff. Uh, certainly, I use that. I use the projections for myself and Alex, I load them up in a fantasy cruncher and have some fun. And last couple of weeks, uh, we've been doing it pretty well with it. If I could have just clicked off of Pat Perez's name, who knows what could have happened. So speaking of Pat Perez, guess what? I'm not going to have to worry about rostering him or am I? I am 6,800 this week for him. And Stenson, he's also in the field at 7,400. But before you give your opinion on them, our cheap days of getting Jordan Speed below 7,000 are over. He's back at 8,400. Why is that? What, what, what has he done to get back above 8,000? That's a good question. Uh, maybe they're going off DraftKings scores or something. Um, Cause obviously he had the kind of nice. Yeah. Nice two round, Nice two weeks. Output, yeah. The output weeks um, at the no cut events. Right. So I, I think that probably actually does have something to do with it. Why he's up there. Obviously we have a, you know, it's still not like an elite field event either. So speed carries some weight, but um you know, seeing him be like, even beside guys like Brian Harmon and Zach Johnson, who have just, you know, destroyed him in terms of just uh, results lately, um, not destroyed him, but been better consistently. Um, it's yeah, it, it definitely feels a little bit overpriced, but again, I mean, they, that might just drive ownership down to him to ridiculous levels. So I'll take um, right yeah. I'm, I'm going to consider him. I'm not necessarily going to love it, but I will say this about speed. He plays well in Texas, man. Like he, he definitely plays well in Texas. Uh, he, he's got very, very good career results in Texas. So if ever uh, a place he might just come alive with like, I'm not saying he's going to win to like a top 20 or maybe even sneak into the top 10 or something. Um, this could be it. This could be it. I, I don't think that range is going to be super heavily owned, but at the same time, I don't think people are going to load up on Jordan's beat there either. So two names that I keep clicking in the mid sevens. I just, uh, each, each, lineups that i'm just clicking around i always yeah. do this on monday uh before our show or, or if we have a lineup of course salaries come out during our show i try and do it a little bit try and see what the build is two guys in the mid-range that i keep clicking for a course that has five par fives and no trouble off the tee it's aaron wise and sam burns aaron wise you yeah. you mentioned last week you're not gonna let you're gonna let an eighty six hundred dollar aaron wise beat you well, he probably showed you a little something played pretty yeah. well got himself in the top 30 now he's at seventy four hundred is this guy back on your radar or are you just writing this guy off? You're done. 
No, I might get it back on the horse this week. Yeah, I'm not yeah, gonna yeah. lie. Um, I mean, it's another player. You seem exasperated about it, though. It seems yeah, like exactly. you really don't want like, to. It 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 feels like the right play at 7400. It's a very talented player. Uh, obviously, uh, you know he he's got a win in Texas too, right? At the the Brian Nelson. So, um, you know, and again, it's not. I don't want to make a big deal about what states guys play well in, but I mean, Aaron Wise. Coming into an event like this with a couple cuts made now, um, you know, we talked about how this being good for like the the long players, the par five scorers and stuff like that. I mean, Darren Wise does fit into that realm of player as well. Uh, again, another player I kind of want to look more into the stats, what, he's, what he did last week. I haven't really necessarily gotten to him, but he's on the radar. Uh, now that I know he's going to be pretty cheap and he's not like in the, the AK range or like high sevens. Um Definitely him and, and Sam Burns are going to be uh, guys I, I look pretty hard at. And, um, you know, just looking around, I might, I might give Russell Knox a shot. I mentioned him. Uh, I really like Matt Neesmith uh, at 7K, hitting the ball really well. Um, and uh, Bo Hosler is another guy, again, a Texas guy. I mean, so uh, yep. I, I guess I'm just playing all the Texas dudes. But, um, but I Texas. think he sets up well. Yeah, yeah it does. Um, Hosler, Straka are two guys that I had mentioned there. Okay, let's give our – Couple of picks um, below seven thousand. Again, uh, these are just coming out, so we haven't had a, a yep. lot of time to look at it. But we'll give our, our top picks. Just a name. I don't know if I'm going to play him this week. I, I think I'd be more apt to play him at this price next week at the Masters than I am this week, as it's only going to be a second tournament in the last like year, basically. Um, maybe not quite a year, but I think the sec- only second tournament in the last nine months. I can actually comfortably say that it's Francesco Molinari, sixty-six hundred. We know that his ability is way above 6,600 in this field. But we know he's also super rusty. We know, we know that if his short game isn't going, he doesn't have the off-the-tee game to carry him. So I don't know that I'm interested in him this week, but I'm going to be following him because I know that he can play at Augusta next week. I, I know if his short game is, is elite, he can compete. We saw him probably throw away the tournament. I, I think he was probably the favorite there going into 12. I mean, him and Kepka, I think, I think he had Kepka by one. Regardless... Molinari, 6,600. I'm going to be watching him. I don't know about playing him a lot, but definitely going to be watching him for next week. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's an interesting thing to, to watch. I mean, I agree. I, I don't think uh, – I might be dumb enough to click on him, but uh, I don't think I'm going to either. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a really interesting price, obviously, getting Francesco Molinari in, that, that, in this kind of field, man. It, it, it's crazy, but um, – yeah, I, I just I just kind of want to wait and see too. Like I don't necessarily really have the feel the big urge right now to play him. Maybe that'll change, but um, I just want to see what happens. I think uh, and, uh, the dude that sticks out to me there is similar type of player, quite frankly. A guy on the comeback, he's, like, he's way further along on the comeback trail. It was Charles Schwartzel. Um, yep. He he sparks some some interest. Like he he's been making some birdies. You know, he had that T three like uh, six events ago in Minnesota. Uh, he's, he's made a few cuts uh, and I just kind of like the birdie rate, like chart, he's, he's making bogeys out there, but I mean um, the birdie rate for DraftKings scoring purposes is, has actually been like really good. And again, you're going down in this range. Uh, it it kind of reminds me a little bit of when we wanted to play Spieth, you know, a couple events ago in the no cut event, yep. you know, I, obviously it's a cut event. So there's more risk, but um, you know, there's risk with everyone making the cut down here. So I don't mind it. I mean, you do have um, Mark Hubbard down there too. Uh, was a runner up here. I assume he's going to be popular at 6,800 uh, runner up here last year. So obviously I don't hate that play, but um, I'll probably look to pivot off him to like Schwartzel and maybe Homa, whoever brought up Homa, I'm definitely going to look into that. So. 
6,400 uh, will be my last two giveaways that I said. I already talked about Andrew Putnam, and you actually brought up Will Gordon. Uh, Will yeah. Gordon at 6,400. I'll definitely have shares. I had shares from last week at 67. He put up 69 points at 10x in a field that 10x basically got you through the gas line. So, yeah, I like Gordon. I like Gordon this week more than I did last, and he just couldn't. He actually got himself up there, uh, but just couldn't put together uh, three, four, six holes in a row. It was always yeah. two birdies and then a bogey, two birdies and a bogey. So. Um, 6,400. Yeah, I'm definitely going to play the talent. I, I always say that I play talent. I'll deal with the roller coaster. Um, that is that. So, uh, anybody else that you want to bring up? I know Camilio Vijegas again in the field at 6,200. Keith Mitchell made a cut. He's at 6,200 as well. Anybody else before we get on anything? Uh, not really. Yeah, Vijegas could be interesting. He's been striking the ball pretty well, but um, I think Tway down there is another guy. I mean, no one, uh, no one really that uh, I don't think we mentioned already, though. I mean, I mentioned Neesmith. Um, I mean, you know, Jason Day at 9K. That'll be that'll be something some people, I'm sure, will, will get tempted by, you know, later in the week. Um, but who knows? Who knows what that guy's going to do? So really not much to say there. Obviously, just a complete boomer bust play. Um, he probably liked to get in four rounds for Augusta. But at the same time, the back's hurting. He's just going to take off. So. I'm not expecting big ownership on him. Yeah, Day, Stenson. Stenson's in the field, obviously. Uh, next I, yeah, Stenson, oh. I mean, I, oh man. Now he's, of course, he's like 73, 7,400. So. Yeah, people are going to be more tempted. A yeah. couple of guys coming over, Lee Westwood, who's in the field next week. Uh, he's getting a start here. Looks like he is going to tee it up as well. Uh, Phil Mickelson back in the field at 7,500. I'm not really interested too much in, in Phil this week. Uh, next no, week. not at 75, no. Yeah, if they put Phil below 7K next week, I'll have him in the line there too. But someone just mentioned a huge price drop from Danny Willett, who looked good the first two rounds, terrible the next two. He's obviously in the field next week uh, being a uh, rest, uh, Masters reigning champion, which is the worst champion of all time. It's going to be that happened to begin with. Um, Tom Lewis, uh, GPP play at 6,700. Um but I think that'll do it. I, I think uh, just to just to summarize for up top, and then we'll get on out of here. Uh, we both agree that Tony Finau and Victor Hovland seem like the more safe plays. We don't know exactly where Kepka and Johnson's game are. I think we both agree that their talent level obviously supersedes pretty much everyone in this field. But oh, yeah. we just don't know where their games are. So uh, first look would be those two other safer guys. So uh, until next week, where we get to talk about the Masters for an hour, maybe we'll get a guest or two on to join us. Can't wait. We've got two millionaire makers um, and we get to go to Augusta, Georgia in November. So I can't wait. So until then, everybody, thank you all for coming by the PGA DFS First Look show with uh, Jeff Ulrich and I. And we will see you again next week, same time, three o'clock. And be sure, of course, to check out the PGA DFS strategy show tomorrow with Timothy Frank and Ben Razzle. Until next time, everybody. Thanks and cheers. We'll see you on the other side.